Hi, this is Chris Finch. I'm lead pastor of City Walk Church. I want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you don't already know, the best way to stay connected with City Walk Church is with our app. Just go to your device's app store and search City Walk Church to find it. Whether you've been a longtime follower of Jesus or you're just investigating faith, our hope is that this message will help you take your next step in that journey. If you're in the area, we would love to have you come join us in person. For more information or to plan your visit, check us out at citywalkchurch.com or on social media at WeAreCityWalkCA. How's everybody doing on this warm spring day? Yeah, really, like what happened to spring? I thought we were starting to get into it, and then we wake up this morning, it's like, my goodness, uh, it was, it's outside, like so cold, you think, man, are we back into winter? We ordered this morning, we're like, hey, we're going to lose an hour of sleep, it's going to be a little, little, little nice outside, we're going to put the, the cornhole things out there, it's going to be fun, and then it's like, man, can we, we had to like pay the greeters today, like, all right, if we give you $20, will you stay outside and greet people? You'll get a little extra credit in heaven if you stay outside today. Uh, but uh, whether you're watching online and you are in an extremely warm environment or you're here with us this morning, I'm glad that you're here, glad that you're watching online. Uh, this is uh, an exciting time of year if you are a part of a gathering, uh, no matter where you are in the world, because we're, we're a few weeks away from Easter. And uh, here at City Walk Church, this will be our third Easter together and actually be our second where we're actually going to be together. The last year we were watching a video, but this year we're excited about Easter. And I wanted to just, before we dive into our message, tell you a little bit about what's coming for Easter. So this year on Easter Sunday, we're going to have two services. We'll have one at 9 and one at 1045. Uh, we're also going to have a Good Friday service, and so Good Friday, actually, we're going to have it out in the courtyard, and so that'll be, I think, at 6 o'clock, but two services Sunday morning on your way out. You can pick up invite cards on your way out. You can pick up a yard sign for your, your uh, city or for your yard, because we want to get the word out, because honestly, there's never an easier time to invite somebody to come to church than when it's the day you have a potluck not really, uh, or Easter Sunday. Uh, and so Easter Sunday is a great time to invite. And so I want to encourage you to pick up some invite cards, pick up a yard sign and uh, start inviting people and we'll get you some more details. Also, if you're a bridge builder and you say, man, if you're new to City Walk, you're thinking, what's a bridge builder? Well, that's what we call volunteers here. And so if you're a bridge builder as we lead into Easter, we felt like we needed some new uniforms, and so we've got new t-shirts for anybody that's on a team, and so on your way out, you didn't know you are getting a free t-shirt at church today, uh, on your way out, pick up your t-shirt. If you're not a bridge builder yet, and you're like, hey, I've been thinking about getting involved, you can sign a card and uh, turn it into the offering basket. We'll contact you and, and make sure you get your t-shirt and get you on a team, but it's going to be a great great season, and uh, it is going to become spring soon, hopefully even in the next few days. Uh, we'll have some nicer weather, and one of the great things about spring, and I know there's some parents out there that are super excited about this, is we get to watch our kids play sports here in the next few weeks. Uh, we've got high school football starting back. We've got baseball going on. We've got s several of the, the sports we weren't sure that we were going to get to play. Man, we're, lots going on. Little League starting. And it's an awesome time to be able to watch. And we have a lot of great athletes in our church. But when you go to a game 
And if you go watch your kids at a game or you watch, you know, a high school football game, you can always look around the crowd and you can tell who the parents are. All, everybody else is enjoying their hot dog and they're watching the game and they're cheering on the team. But then you, you can tell who the parents are. Because the parents are the ones that are, at one moment, they're screaming like crazy, cheering for their kid, embarrassing their kid by how much they cheer. And then the very next moment, they're hiding their eyes, biting their nails, like, ah. When I, when I was growing up, the sport that I enjoyed playing the most was baseball. And my dad was one of those guys that he probably worked out harder than I did while I was pitching because he got so into it. He couldn't sit down. He, he wouldn't go sit in the bleachers. He'd be over somewhere kind of by himself. And as I would be pitching, he'd be kind of, you know, kind of going through the motion, sweating, working out, watch, watching me pitch. And, and, then, and you know this if you're a parent, when your kid gets into a pinch, when, when it's like, man, they're pitching and, and man, the, the bases are loaded and they got you know, a good hitter up there and you're like... You wish you could just go out there and do it for them. Or man, they're, they're playing soccer and the game's close and it's a shootout at the very end of the game and your kid's up to kick and you're like, and you, and you want to go out there and you want to kick for them, you want to do it for them. And, and you know if you're a parent or a grandparent, you felt that. You, you felt that tension of wanting to help and, and having a burden for your kid and wanting to get in there and help them and not being able to do anything but munch on your hot dog and hope everything goes well. But for some of us, if we're honest, we, we've dealt with that with sports, with our kids. We've dealt with that in other areas. If your kid's into drama or your grandkid, you've, you've watched them and been more nervous for them than they probably were before the performance. But, but for some of us, we've also kind of felt that tension spiritually. And here's what I mean. You, you have someone that you have a burden for. You have someone in your life that you, you want to see them come to know Jesus. You have someone in your life that, that you want to see have hope. And you know if they had a relationship with Jesus, it would change everything. But, but you have this tension because, man, you, you can't do it for them. And you don't really know what to say. And, and sometimes you don't even know where to start. But yet you have this tension because you want to see them know Jesus. You want to see them have hope. But you're in that spot where you just sometimes feel helpless because you, you don't even know where to start. And that tension is something that, that Jesus, when he walked this earth, it was something that he addressed while he was here on earth. Because the religious system that Jesus kind of walked into that was kind of going on during his life was a religious system that was really complicated and didn't offer a lot of hope. It was a religious system, and, and it was a world that, honestly, the religious system was built on rules and rituals, and if you kept the right rules and you did the right rituals, God was happy with you, and everybody else thought you were a good person, and that, that was kind of the, the system. But then Jesus comes on the scene, and he changes the game. Jesus comes on the scene, and instead of focusing on rules and rituals, he starts focusing on a relationship. And it changed everything. See, as a result of sin, man's relationship with God had been broken. 
It had been broken, and because it had been broken, it brought about devastating consequences in this life and in eternity. And so Jesus comes on the scene, and he's here not to get you to go through the right rituals or keep all the right rules. He's here to heal the relationship between God and man. And he made very clear in Luke 19.10, he said, hey, I've come here, and he said it this way, the Son of Man has come to seek and to save Those who are lost. I didn't come here to make sure you wear the right thing to church. I didn't even come here to make sure you go to church. I came here to seek and save the lost. I came here on a rescue mission because your relationship with God had been broken. And because it was broken, it brought about devastating consequences. And so I've come here to heal, to fix that. To, to be the Savior, the healer. And Jesus' life, his death and resurrection is what provided a way for people's sins to be forgiven and their relationship with God to be healed. And so Jesus, he, he made it real clear in the midst of a really complicated religious system, he made really clear, hey, here's what I'm about. And then he did something, and we talked briefly about this last week, He did something interesting. He said, hey, this is what my mission is, but I'm actually going to invite you to be part of it. If you're one of my followers, if you're one of my disciples, here's the mission that I've come. I've come to seek and to save the lost. But then as as he was about to kind of leave the scene, he said, hey, I want to invite you to be a part of this mission. I want to invite you into God's mission. And he said this in John chapter 20. It says, Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Which brings us back to that tension that we started with. It brings us back to that tension where there's, there's nothing I would love more than to see those that I love and care for know Jesus and the hope he brings, but I'm not God. I'm not Jesus. I wouldn't even know where to start. And and here's what's cool, and we started talking about this last week. Jesus, when he came to earth, he didn't just tell us what the mission was and invite us into it, but he gave us a pattern to follow. He said, hey, I'm inviting you into this mission, but hey, here's an example. Here's a pattern of how you go about doing it. And it it really came down, that, that pattern came down to three words that we introduced last week. The first one is prayer. Jesus was uh, someone who, and we're going to talk more about this today, he was, prayer was a big part of his life. The, the second thing is care. You, you see all throughout the writings of where it talks about Jesus' life, you see Jesus meeting the physical needs of people. He, he didn't look past people's physical needs just to tell them about himself. He, he met their physical needs. He cared for them, but then he shared. And here's what I mean by that. He told them. He told them the truth. He told them the good news. He invited them to follow him. He gave us a pattern, a a pattern of praying, caring, and sharing the good news with people. And Luke, who was a doctor, he he gave us a little bit of insight into Jesus' prayer life in Luke chapter 5. It says this in Luke chapter 5, and I want you to lean into this because 
for, for some of us, and we'll talk about it here in a second, man, prayer is something that's like, God, it's kind of out there, and I think I'm supposed to be involved in it. I think it's a good thing, but what does it look like? How do I do it? Is it like, God is good, God is great, let us thank him for our food. I think I do that before I eat. Is that the right way to do it? Like, prayer is something that's out there that, that we don't always understand or even know how to do. And Luke tells us about Jesus' prayer life in Luke chapter 5. He says this, But the news about him spread even more. And large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. Jesus had recently healed a guy of leprosy, and, and he told the guy, hey, let's keep this between you and me. Don't, don't go tell everybody about this. But, but he healed this guy, and this guy didn't obey. He kind of shared the news, which you probably would too. Like, hey, I've had leprosy. I was on my deathbed, and this guy, Jesus, healed me. And I can't keep that to myself. I got to tell some people. And so he did. And so all of a sudden now, Jesus, everywhere he goes, crowds of people are following. He's so popular. Man, the polls are really good for Jesus right now. He's real popular. But then it says this in verse 16, yet he often withdrew to, a des to deserted places and prayed. What? Jesus, you're trying to build a movement here, buddy. You got people following you. you. I mean, anywhere you go, the paparazzi's out. I mean, people just are coming by droves, and you're pulling away from that, and you're going and hiding from all these people. Man, you need to feed. the Man, you need to pour gas on the fire. Let's keep building this following. And it says that Jesus made it a regular practice to, hey, guys, I know there's a few thousand people out there, but I'll see you guys in a few hours. Where are you going, Jesus. I'm just going to talk to my dad. And he would just go and he would, it was something he did on a regular basis. Sometimes he'd get up, the, the disciples would be like, hey guys, who's making the Starbucks run this morning? Is Jesus, our, where's Jesus at? You know Jesus, he's getting up about four o'clock in the morning, even on days when the, the clock gets changed and he's up there talking to his dad. I don't know, he has that little fort he built up a few little way up because that's what he did. He would do that on a regular basis. And you think, man, Jesus, you're God. Uh, you got some important things to do. You've kind of got a limited time because you're only going to be here on earth for a while. Why are you pulling away from the people to go talk to God? You can spend eternity with him. Why don't you focus on the people? But Jesus made it a regular practice to pull away and go talk to God. And here's a phrase that I think is so important for us to think about. Jesus knew he needed to talk to God about people before he talked to people about God. Let me read that again. Because again, Jesus is God. He's God's son. So I mean, if anybody gets a pass, like, hey, you can catch up with God in a few years. But, but Jesus knew he needed to talk to God about people before he talked to people about God. And if you read through the, the New Testament, even if, whether you're a follower of Christ, maybe you're kind of investigating faith, you're not sure what you believe, if you were just to just read through it, even if you didn't believe it, but if you were just to read through the New Testament, you would see Jesus pulling away to pray and then coming back and having courage, coming back and having compassion. And you can tell his times of prayer impacted his life and how he ministered. See, Jesus, even, even at the very end of his life, before he was crucified, he went to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. 
And it was that time of prayer that strengthened him to do what was the most important thing he did, and that was give his life. He made it a practice to pray. And in the same way, we must not only pray for people that we want to reach, but we need to pray and ask God to give us the courage to do whatever it takes to minister to people, to to share Christ with them. You may be thinking, you know what, I know this prayer thing, it's good. Maybe you're watching online, you're thinking, but I'm not even sure how to pull away that was like, I get it. Okay, Jesus made it a practice to pray, to pull away. That was a big part of what he did. I know I'm supposed to probably do that, but I wouldn't even know where to start. And, and for some of you, you've been around some church people over the years. And when they pray, they use these big old words. They get this like prayer voice. Like you're talking to them normal, but then they start praying. You're like, Where did that voice come from? I've never heard that voice, but they have their prayer voice and they start using these huge words and you're like, I I don't think I I need to take a class or something because I I don't think I can do this. I can't do what they do. And it's almost, or maybe you've been in a spot like this where you went to church with somebody and they started praying and things got really weird, really fast. I remember when I was a little boy. I went. I, I grew up in a like a little Baptist church. Like if you clap too loud, people were like, "Whoa, calm it down a little bit." So that was that was what I grew up in. So you, that's the context for this. Well, I was going to go to grandpa in Tennessee, and he I was probably six years old, and he said, "Hey, hey, buddy, we're we're going to go to church with Uncle So and So, who I'd never met." So okay, church. So I'm thinking church, like what the church I knew. And we go to church, and it looked a lot like the church I went to. But man, I'm sitting there like a little five, six-year-old kid, and they start to pray. And so I, you know, bow my head like I would do at my little church. And all of a sudden, everybody started to pray at the same time. And all of a sudden, then other stuff started happening. People started running around. And and I'm like this little kid, like, Grandpa, where did you bring me, man? I don't know what's going on here. And and I just told, and so maybe that's you. You're like, I've tried to do the prayer thing, but some of the people I've been around, it just gets really weird, and I don't know that I really want to do that. Well, Jesus made it a practice. It was something that he did where he talked to God, and I think sometimes we make it way too complicated. And Paul, a guy that that knew a lot about Jesus and a guy that knew a lot about religion, he he, he wrote a little letter to his kind of son in the faith named Timothy, and he talked to Timothy about prayer, and he gives some great insights. It, it, it says this, if you have your, your Bible or it's in the app, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says this, and, and Paul's writing to Timothy about kind of what we're talking about. He's telling Timothy, hey, buddy, prayer is a really big deal. Like, like prayer is something Jesus did. It's a part of really the pattern of reaching people. And so he talks to Timothy about it. He says this. He says, first of all, basically, hey, this is first priority. I urge that petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for everyone. So basically what Paul does is he uses four words that describe prayer, kind of like you, you know this, when you grew up, when your mom said your whole name, you knew like, oh, I need to pay attention. 
Like when my mom, Christopher David Fincham, what? What what I do, mom? What I do? Like when they say the whole name, it's like I pay attention. But Paul, he really wants to emphasize this. So man, he he says prayer like four different ways. He talks about prayer in four different ways. And he says, hey, first priority is that you pray, and he says, for the people that you love and are nice to you. No, he says, first priority is that you would pray for everyone. What are you talking about, Paul? He says, I, I want you to pray. I want you to thank, pray with thanksgiving. I want you to make petitions and prayers. I want you to intercede for everyone. See, Paul wanted his readers to be reminded that people had a, an ultimate need. They, they ultimately needed a relationship with God, and he wanted Timothy and the people that were with Timothy to understand, you have an opportunity to pray for people to make a decision to follow Jesus. That's their ultimate need. He says, I want you to do that for everyone. And then he says this. He says, for kings and all those who are in authority, so that, they, that, that we may lead a tranquil or peaceful and quiet life. In all godliness and dignity. Here's here's what he's saying. He's saying, hey guys, the greatest thing you can pray for your leaders, as you pray for everyone, is that they're transformed. That they have a relationship with Jesus. Because even the worst leaders, even the the kings and the government and the different people that, that, that you, man, don't agree with, man, if they followed Jesus, it would lead to a more peaceful and tranquil life because Jesus changes everything when someone follows him. And for us, we, we, we hear that and it's like, okay, we live in America, pray for, okay, if I'm a Democrat, I still need to pray for the Republican president. If I'm a Republican, I still need to pray for the Democrat. Okay, I get that. But in this setting, this was like another level. And here's what I mean. The guy that was in charge in this day when Paul was saying this was a guy by the name of Nero. And Nero was a vicious, evil, just terrible guy. In fact, in AD 64, there was a great fire that you can read in your history books that swept through Rome. And this great fire, it swept through Rome, and it was one of those fires, man, it lasted for days. It took out a lot of the city. I mean, it was a great fire and did a lot of damage. And, and Roman historians, if you, if you read most of them, there's a consensus that says Nero actually set his own fire because he wanted to build some new things, and so he figured if he burnt down the other stuff, then he'd have an opportunity to build new things. And so he, he starts this fire, but, but for Nero, he knows, hey, not a real popular thing to do to burn your city down. I, I know I'm the Roman emperor, so I got to figure out a way to kind of to move the blame. And so he tried to do different things to kind of get the blame and, and kind of get the blame off of him. And then he said, you know what? I'm going to blame this group of people called Christians. And, and so he began to blame Christians And he initiated the first systematic state-sponsored persecution of Christians. And what what, what basically he did is he said, "Let's, let's figure out a way to blame the Christ followers. Let me get it off of me. And so he initiated, and he would do crazy things. 
He would take Christians and he would throw them to wild beasts. He would crucify them. He would round them up and he would put like hot tar on them and he would hang them on poles and light them on fire to light his place where he ran his chariots. He was an evil man. And it's in this context that Paul says, hey, Timothy, I want you to pray for everyone. I want you to pray for kings, for authority. I want you to pray for everyone because here's the bottom line. If they follow Jesus, everything changes. And prayer is a big part of them following Jesus. So I want you to, I want you to pray for them. And, and honestly, if, if I'm Timothy, I'm like, really? I mean, I, yeah, there's some, some people that I could see changing, but Nero, come on. Why would I wait? You agree. I agree. That, that, that there's no way Nero's changing. No way Nero's changing. There's no way that, that Nero's going to go and, and follow Jesus. It's just not going to happen. And, and Paul says, I want you to pray for everyone. And here's what I'm thinking that for us. Aren't there some people in your life that you wouldn't maybe say this out loud, but you've given up on? You've, I don't think they're going to change. Or I don't even know if I want them to change because I don't like them. It's the, the bully at school. It's the jerk boss at work. It's like, no, I hope he gets his. And there's some people maybe in your family that you've been praying for for decades. And they're still an alcoholic. And they're still, and you fill in the blank. And you're like, you know what? I don't think they're ever going to change. And Paul says, you know what, Timothy, I want you to pray for everyone. I want you to pray for everyone. I want you to pray for the people you don't think will change. Because when a person follows Jesus, it, it transforms everything. And he goes on in verse 3 and he says, this is good and pleases God our Savior. He says, man... I mean, honestly, sometimes our prayers aren't good, and we know that. Sometimes our prayers are manipulative. Sometimes our prayers are selfish. But, but Paul says, hey, this prayer is a really good prayer. This prayer pleases God. When you cry out to God for someone to follow Jesus, when you cry out to God for somebody who's far from God, who needs hope, when you do that, this is a good prayer. This pleases God. And he says this in verse 4, here's why it pleases God, because it says, God who wants everyone to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. This is a good prayer. It pleases God because God wants everyone to have his, their relationship with him healed. God wants everyone to spend eternity with him. God doesn't want any to, anyone to perish. He wants all to be saved. In fact, P Peter says it this way, the Lord does not delay his promise as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. See, God doesn't send people to hell. Sin sends people to hell. The Bible says in Romans chapter 3 that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says in Romans 6, for the wages of sin is death. God didn't push us into the deep end. Our sin did. 
God's the one who's giving us a way out. God's the one who's thrown the life preserver. God's the one on the, on, the, on the little boat with his hand out saying, come on, I'm here to save you. He's giving us a way out. And Paul says, I want you to pray for everyone. I want you to pray because God doesn't want anyone to not have a relationship with him. He, he wants everyone to take the life preserver. He wants everyone to take his free gift of salvation. And I want you to pray for those that you love that they would say yes to that. Make prayer a priority. Paul reminds uh, Timothy and his readers, he says, uh, here's, here's what that good news is. And he kind of closes this section. He says, there's one God. There's one mediator between God and mankind, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for a testimony at the proper time. And so Paul closes this, this section and he says, hey, th this is what I'm talking about. This is the, the good news. This is the message that you need to pray that everyone says yes to. Even the person you've given up on. It's the message that there's one God. And there's one person who mediates between you and God who's there to heal the relationship, and his name is Jesus. And he gave his life a ransom. He gave his life to pay the price so that the two sides that were at odds could be together. That's the good news, and I want you to pray for everyone that they would say yes to that. Because if they say yes to that, it changes everything. It changes everything. See, when you become a follower of Jesus, when you say yes to the good news, you're invited into the mission of God. You're, you're invited into the mission of God. And, and we said this last week, joining the mission of God is, is actually the path to purpose and fulfillment. When we say yes to the mission of God, when we say, yeah, hey, I'm a follower of Jesus and I've been invited into the mission of God. I've been invited to be about what Jesus was about here on earth. When I say yes to that, that's actually the path to fulfillment. That's the path to purpose. If I say no to that, I'm going to miss out bottom line. And we've been invited into that. And a simple way for us to start, instead of making this whole thing really complicated, a real simple way to start is start by praying for people. How do I get involved? Mission of God, that sounds so big and so complicated and so religious, and I'm just barely new to church. How do I get involved in that? Start by praying for people that you want to see follow Jesus. You want to say yes to the mission of God? You want to say yes to being a part of that? Start by praying. Bring me my, my awesome brown chair that I introduced you guys to last week. Remember, I, if you were here last week, I introduced you to this extremely expensive, high-end chair. And I ask you this question. Who does this chair represent for you? And, and here's what I hope it represents for you. Who's, who's the person in your life that you love, that you work with, that you play on the softball team with, that you sit across the lunch table with, that if they knew Jesus, it would change everything for them. 
Not only would it give them hope for all of eternity, but it would change their life today because you love them and you see there's not peace. There's a lot going on and you you hurt for them and you want to see them have hope. It doesn't mean that when you say yes to Jesus, like you have this problem-free life. Sometimes things could even get but you have hope in the midst of it. And there's somebody in your heart, maybe in your mind right now, it's your brother, it's your friend, it's the person you work with, it's somebody that maybe lives under the same roof as you, and you want to see them follow Jesus. Who's who's it represent? And would you be willing to pray for them? Would you be willing to start the process by setting aside some time in your week to pray for them. Would you be willing to maybe write their name down? Maybe, maybe you, I have a journal at my house. I kind of write people's names down that I'm praying for. Maybe it's just your phone. You have a note and there's two or three people that you're, you want to pray for. Would you be willing to write those people's names down? And then set aside a few times this week where you just stop what you're doing and pray for them that they would have hope and that they would follow Jesus. And for some of you, you say, man, I absolutely will do that. And I actually want other people to pray for me and with me about this. And if you do, there's a little prayer card right in front of you. Where Last week we had several people write the names of people down that they want to see follow Jesus. And we begun to pray with them for those people. And so maybe it's, hey, yeah, I want to pray for that person, but I also want some other people praying for that person. And so, man, you write their name down. You put that, that card in the offering basket on the way out. And the, we have people that are going to pray with you. So would you do that? Like, would you set aside, whether you're watching online or you're here this morning, maybe 5, 10, 15 minutes this week and pray for those people? You say, Chris, I'll, I'll say yes to that, but, but here's the bigger question, Chris. What do I say? And you're like, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of even embarrassed to ask that. I'm not going to come up to anybody at the next steps table and say, hey, I committed to pray for people, but I don't even know what to say. What do I say? Well, let, let me give you a few things, and this is in the app too. Maybe you would just say something as simple as rescue and put their name in there. He's like, is that, does God get that? Yep. God, would you rescue whatever their name is? Maybe you would say something like this, reveal yourself to, and put a name in there. Maybe you would just take some time at your lunch break and just three or four people, and you're just crying out to God saying, hey God, would you reveal yourself to, maybe you would say this, maybe you would say, hey, Remove the darkness and confusion so-and-so has. Maybe you would just say that. Maybe you'd just say, Lord, would you just, there's confusion and there's darkness. Would you remove that? Remove, you know, put their name in there. You are what you, you want for them. Maybe you would say, Give and put their name in there, the wisdom to see the truth about Jesus being the way, the truth, and the life. You're like, I could just pray that with, and put three people's names in it? Yep. Maybe you would say, give and put their name in there, a longing deep down inside to know you personally. Make them restless until they find the rest in you. 
Maybe one more. Open and put their name in their spiritual eyes so that they see you clearly. Would you be willing to pray this week for somebody? Is someone that you love's eternity worth 15 minutes this week where you would just cry out to God for them? You're like, Chris, I'm not, not, like I said, I'm not, not real good at this prayer thing, but you know what? I want to see my friend come to know Jesus. I want to see my friend have hope. I want to see my mom trust Jesus. I want to see something change in their life. And you know what? I've honestly given up on this person. But man, I'm going to start this week praying for them because I've been invited into the mission of God and I don't want to say no to what God wants to do. I want to be part of it. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as we, we kind of close out this morning, this morning we've, we've talked about how Jesus made really clear that his mission was to seek and to save the lost. And for those of you that are a follower of Christ, God has invited you and me into that. And, and simply we, we simply start that process by praying for those people. By praying and then caring. And then as God opens up a door, sharing the good news. But it starts with prayer. So would you pray? This week for that person. Who, who is it? And I don't want you to say it out loud, but just in your, in your heart, just between you and God, who's the person? Maybe it's more than one person. And you would say, Chris, if I, man, if I think about it too much, I, I'll probably get emotional because I desperately want to see this person have a relationship with God. I see the direction they're going. I see the hopelessness in their life. I see the things they're chasing after that I know is not going to bring fulfillment. Would you pray for them? Would you pray by name this week? Maybe you're here this morning and you would say, Chris, whether you're watching online or you're here with us, you would say, Chris, I'm not a follower of Jesus. I was invited to church, and I, I'm not a follower of Jesus yet. How would I, how would I start a relationship with God? I, I feel, man, I, I'm leaning in, and I, I, I want to see hope in my life. I want a relationship with Jesus. How would I start that? With every head bowed and every eye closed, would you be willing to just between you and God, would you be willing to admit to God that you're a sinner? Would you just be willing to admit to God, yeah, God, I have disobeyed you. I have gone my own way. I've disobeyed you. Would you be willing to do that? Would you be willing in your heart to believe that Jesus died on the cross and rose from the grave, not to pay for his sin, but to pay for yours and for mine? Would you believe that? And then would you just simply call? Would you simply call and say, God, I'm coming to you. I want to start a relationship with you. I want you to be my Savior. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you'd say, Chris, today I want to do that. Whether you're watching online or you're here, just in the quietness of your heart, just, just pray to God. Just say, God, I admit to you I've sinned. I've disobeyed you. God, I, I believe that when you sent Jesus to die on the cross and raise from the grave, he did that for me. Jesus, I'm coming to you. I want a relationship with God. Please save me. With every head bowed and every eye closed, as we, we close out this morning, if you're here this morning, or maybe you're watching online, and you can put this in the comments, 
If you're here this morning, you would say, hey, Chris, today I prayed to start a relationship with Jesus. With nobody looking around, would you just slip up your hand? Not going to embarrass you. You would just say, hey, Chris, today I prayed to start a relationship with Jesus. Lord, I thank you for the clarity you had with your mission. I pray as you have invited us in to be a part of that, God, I pray that we would not leave here with the people you've put on our hearts without a commitment to pray for them this week. In Jesus' name, amen.